Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. You are listening to a message from our Wednesday night service. Today is reading the Bible, so we're going to read a lot of the Bible. Um, but 1 Corinthians 14.26 says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. And it's, I love this verse because it says, when you come together, not if, or, you know, like every other time. It says when. So that means every time you come together, each of you come with a song, a revelation, a word of knowledge, an interpretation, a tongue, whatever it is, so that the church may be built up. And I think that, you know, when we get ourselves rooted in the word, all that just comes and flows naturally and supernaturally through us. So when you release something in the spirit, it's going to be a blessing to someone, whoever it is. I just know that when you release that, it'll be a blessing. And it's a blessing to be a blessing. Okay. Uh, Hold on. I'm going to try to, my screen keeps going to sleep, so I'm going to try something. It's on low power mode. Uh, Okay, there we go. So before I start, I'm gonna, I have a little trivia question here. And I want everyone to like answer because, and keep score of your your right answers. Um, When was the first English translation of the Bible printed? Raise, raise your hand, A, B, C, D, nice, okay, the answer is D. <laughs> keep, keep count, there's only four questions. Um, and it was uh, the copy of William Tyndale, and he was actually martyred for that. Yep. How many Bible copies have been sold uh, around the world? Okay, A is eight, over 850 million, 900 million, 1.2 billion, and 5 billion. A. B. C. D. <laughs> over 5 billion. <laughs> What did you say? <laughs> yeah, I'm in seminary. Okay, how many times has the version Bible app have been downloaded? Wait, was that English? How many times has the version Bible been downloaded? 80 million? 100 million? 250 million? 1 billion? Oh, that was kind of like, okay. You guys know your answer, so I, I trust you're being honest. 250 million. Okay, who got all of them right? Okay, I'll, I'll do something for you guys. You guys. Oh wait, there's one more question. <laughs> Last question. What percentage of Americans have read through the entire Bible at least once? 
Oh, sorry, 2%. percent, 11 percent, 20 percent. Okay, I'm gonna shock you. It's actually 20 percent. Yeah. But I have more statistics for you. Here we go. 2016, 1,000 people. Just look at this pie chart, Brett. You love this. Okay, so 10 percent have read none of it. All of it, more than once, 9%. All of it is 11% and almost all of it is 12%. At least half of it, 15%. Several passages or stories, 30%. Only a few sentences, 13%. Yeah, it's pretty shocking. But I'm gonna shock you more. <laughs> Which of the following describes the Bible? And there's a, it's like a scale of good to bad. Um, good source of morals, 52%. Historical account, 38%. Helpful today, 37%. True, 36%. Life-changing, 35%. A story, 34%. Outdated, 14%. Bigoted, 8%. Harmful, 7%. Not sure, 11%. I don't know how you can be not sure about the Bible. None of these 3%, which is, I don't know what those answers mean. Here's some more staggering statistics. Fewer than half, 47%, say the Bible is 100% accurate in all it teaches. 51% say the Bible was written for each person to interpret as he or she chooses. 74% disagree with the idea that even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. 77% say people must contribute their own effort in personal salvation. And 52% say good deeds help them earn a spot in heaven. And 47% believe that there are many ways to get there. This is, by the way, this is a 2016 study of like a thousand people. So it's not like, it's not the best, but it's just, it gives you a little picture of what people think. I don't know. <laughs> Some bonus facts. Uh, only 32% of Americans who attend a Protestant church regularly say they read the Bible personally every day. So 32% per, of Christians read the Bible every day. Before 2020, this is before COVID, 14% of Americans have said they read their Bible um, three, four times a year on their own. That's like, that's like nothing, right, for Christians. Um, but this is for Americans, three, four, three to four times a year. After 2020, that number went down to 10%. Three, four three to four times a year like 10 per, down to 10%, that's what it is now. And only 6% of Americans, American adults hold to a Christian worldview. Wow. Okay, the Bible illiteracy, there, there is Bible illiteracy in the church, and not only in America, but also in the church. And when people don't know the word of God, their definition of truth and justice becomes skewed because truth and justice are rooted in God. 
and they become more vulnerable to lies and manipulation and end up with more worry and more fear. I mean, if we just look at the numbers here, like it's just reflecting the, you know, the state of America right now. It's like, it's crazy. And it's because, I, I really think it's because there are people who are not reading or not exposed to the word of God. But, um, oh yeah, and also when Christians don't know the Bible, they give up their spiritual authority and give up ground unwillingly and unknowingly in their own life. And throughout history, the word of God has given faith, hope, love, spiritual renewal, cultural renewal, revival, and redemption to people. So I have hope that the word of God will release hope in even now, like right now, in this age, in this culture, I believe that the word of God will release hope. Without the correct understanding of the word, there is chaos. Just look at Union Square last Friday. It was crazy. There's ambiguity, the whole transgenderism um, movement and anxiety. There's like a record-breaking amount of teenagers that are in, like, in depression and having anxious um, panic attacks. Um, there's abuse, oppression, and control. And we see this more in our culture now than ever in our lifetime. <clears throat> the kingdom of God will not advance in our own lives if we don't know the word of God. Without biblical knowledge, we are disposed to our own opinions and live according to our own truths. That's why, you know, like here, right? True, 36%. That's what people think about the Bible. But the Bible is, as we know, the, the only truth. So I'm going to go back to the staggering statistics and show you a few Bible verses that like directly kind of go against it. Directly go against it. Because I don't want to just leave you with the lies that um, people believe. So what does the Bible say in response to its accuracy? All scripture, this is from 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for re reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what does it say about interpretation? Let's go to Luke 24. Okay, Luke 24. Um, I'm just going to sum up a little bit and then read from verse 45. Um, Luke 24 is Jesus resurrected from the dead, and he appears to his disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they don't even know that it's him. Like, he's walking right next to him, them, and they're just talking to him like he's just another, another Jew walking on the road. Um, but they're talking about scripture and Jesus is saying like I am the fulfillment of the scripture and they're like who are you and and then he opened their mind so that they can understand scripture so the only way you can understand and interpret scripture is Jesus it's not our own opinions it's not what we choose but it's Jesus and then it says it in um, 
Acts 1, the first two verses, it kind of recounts what happened, um, what Jesus did after his resurrection. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until that day when he was taken up, after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit, given commands to the Holy Spirit, um, very objective, to the apostles whom he chosen. So it's Jesus who gives interpretation to the scripture. Okay, people disagree with the idea that even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. Romans 6, 23. And I'm showing you this because I want to show you that there is scripture. Um, scripture addresses everything in life. Um, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so the wages of sin is death. That means all sin, right? Even the smallest sin. What is the smallest sin? It's sin. So, yeah, there's no such thing as small sin. Uh, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of the God. All. That includes everyone. Okay, what does it say about contributing to your personal salvation? Romans 3.24-26. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set for as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He may be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. What part do you have in your own salvation here? Just faith. Just faith. And then Jesus took the rest of it. Jesus does everything else. Every other sentence, every other word is about Jesus and not us. So we we don't have... We don't have any effort that we can put towards our personal salvation. We just have faith in Jesus. Yep. Okay, people say that good deeds help them earn a spot in heaven. And 45% believe that there are many ways to get there. John 14. Verses 1 through 3. Let your heart, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you go. You know the way you know. There is no earning here. Right? Jesus is doing the work. Jesus is preparing a place for us in his father's house, in our father's house. So good, will, will good deeds help you earn a spot in heaven? No. But the salvation that you have produces good works. So it's like the world thinks that you have to work for your salvation, but it's actually from our salvation we do good works. Yeah, it's the opposite of the world. And in verse uh, 5 through 6, Thomas said to him, 
right? This is addressing how you get there. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only through Jesus will we get to the Father. So uh, why, why is it so important to read the Word? The Bible is not about how to become a good person, or it's not about philosophy, it's not, you know, like a recipe for your life. I mean, yeah, it's not like, it's not like a what to do, what not to do. It's a story about God, and it's a revealing of God's character and nature. It's history, and I like to say it's his story, because it's stories about God in the past with people from the past. And so it's not, it's not like a history book where we're detached from it, but it's a story of God and how we're all written into this story with the past and the future. And it's the eternal word of God. So I'm doing something here to show you um, just a few ways you can study the Bible. Um, and this, I'm gonna do like a little word study for you guys. Um, and it's on the word. So there's two different types of words, um, word definitions of the word, word. <laughs> Sorry. There, yeah, there's two Greek words for the English word, word. <laughs> Logos is the written word of God, and rhema is the spoken word of God. So it says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that word is logos, is the written word. So Jesus is the word that became flesh. And where else do we see that verse? Anyone? Genesis, Genesis 1. It's like, it's not exactly the same, but it's the same phrasing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? In Genesis 1, um, 1 to 3. Hold on. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And, G and God said, let there be light. And there was light. How is Jesus also described in the New Testament? As light. Yeah, so he is the word and the light. And um, this is kind of like a, a fun fact, another fun fact. I like fun facts. <laughs> but the universe is always expanding, right? Scientifically, the universe is expanding. And I believe that when God said, let there be light, that word never stopped. It's continuing to expand even now. There's light being formed in the universe. And that's from the word of God that was spoken from the beginning of time. So what is, what is Rhema? Uh, verse, uh, John chapter 6, verse 63. Gonna flip there. Sixty-three. 
the words of eternal life. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. That word is rhema. That is the spoken word of God. Why is it important to know the logos so that we know what Jesus sounds like? And when the rhema word of God is being released, it will align with the logos word of God. So that is why we say, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, or like, you know, know the word. It's because the word will reveal Jesus and it will sharpen your discernment too. So when you hear the voice, the, the rhema of Jesus, it will align with the logos of Jesus, which is this. This is objective. And so what we, what we hear, right, what we discern in the spirit, that's not necessarily objective because you're interpreting that voice. But when, when we have more of this in here, when we hear the voice of God, we know that's Jesus. Yeah, it, it aligns. So I'm going to show you another verse where um, it uses rhema. Ephesians 6. Anybody know that chapter? Full armor of God, yep. Okay. Verse 13 to 17. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up your shield of faith, in which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is described as a sword, right? And your tongue, when you speak, it says that your tongue has the power to release life or death. And the sword of the Spirit is meant to be released through the spoken Word of God. So that means that you have to release the Word of God with your mouth to fully wield the power and the truth of the sword of the spirit, which is the word. So that is why when you're going through something difficult or you're battling lies in your head, you sometimes like you just got to speak the truth over yourself. And it does something because the word is supernatural. It brings healing and it brings restoration to your mind. And I'm going to show you another verse on logos. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So Logos will also bring conviction in your heart. As you read this, as you know Jesus more and more, he will convict, he will separate he will separate soul and spirit and convict you. And that is so that you change, so that it brings transformation in your life. The word of God brings conviction and protection to those who know it and live by it. 
reading the Bible is not about gaining head knowledge. It's not about um, like just knowing more scripture, but it's about beholding Jesus. Because why? This is Jesus. Like the logos, the, the word became flesh. Beholding is about looking to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will show you through revelation the truths that, are, that he, wa- he wants to reveal through the scripture and it becomes alive. The reading the word is about the transformation of your heart that comes through revelation. And um, you know, it's funny because Pastor Adam was talking about the word recently in the past few weeks. And when, um, when I was just thinking like, what do I talk about today? Um, I didn't even mention to him that I was going to do this, but then when he when he preached on Sunday, I was like, "This is confirmation! Like, this is just like making like so many things easier and like laying down the ground for me to to share this." Um, but he said he mentioned like your heart um, in in Greek, it's cardia. Right. It means mind, will, and emotions. Mm. So transformation comes through your mind and your emotion, or the transformation is for your heart, your mind, will, and emotions. And I can tell you, um, I'll tell you two testimonies of how the word changed my life. Um, I, what I did with the word is I put on um, the, the YouVersion Bible app and I put the, vo- the voice thing on, right? The audio Bible. And I would spend like, weeks just listening to it while I slept. And like, I was tormented in my mind and I was like, I don't know, I was having anxiety, um, depressive thoughts, shame, and I just knew that this was supernatural and that it would bring healing. Even, Even if I wasn't like reading it directly, I know that when you hear the like, when you hear the word of God, it's supernatural and it's transformative. And so I just listened to this while I slept. Yeah, and then there was another time um, at YWAM. We did a Bible burn, which is like, you, so it takes seventy hours to read the entire Bible front to back. Seventy hours, and it's not that long if you think about it. Um, but we did that for the weekend and I was just like, God, I need you and I need to, I need to know your word and I, I need like the supernatural restorative whatever happens when you read the word to come in my mind and like set me free. So I stayed in that room. I, I read and I, I listened and I slept through in, in that room. And, and let me tell you, I came out a different person. Hallelujah. So the truth will set you free if you abide in it. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. It says, let's go. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. (laughs) If you abide in my logos, you are truly my disciples, and the truth will set you free. Adhere to the truth, live by the truth, believe in the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
So we have the mind of Christ through the word, through the washing of the word and the renewal of the mind, we have the mind of Christ. That's what happened to me. Like literally just like reading the Bible, taking it in, something happened where I would, my mind was like, went through a power washer and it renewed my mind. And it's still being renewed. We're all being renewed. Even now. First um, Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 15. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Good, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's, I was saying that before, right? When you know the word, when you know the logos, you can hear, you can discern better. You understand and you can know when Jesus is speaking to you. And I did another word study of the word mind. <laughs> this is kind of how like, you get deeper into the word. You just like, a word gets highlighted to you and you just keep digging, you keep digging, you keep chasing like a tail, like you're like, what was that? What was that? What's that word? What did that mean like in the, I don't know, like whatever context, but this is, this is what I do, right? Like I go on, I'll, I'll set, uh, I have another slide of um, resources, um, but anyways, mind. It's the renewal of what you know. Your thinking, your judging, your thoughts, feelings, purpose, desires, and understanding. And it comes from the root word, gnosko, which, is, which sounds like conosco, right, in Spanish? Conocer. <laughs> or cognizant, like, like, you know, it kind of sounds like it. No sé. Um, to, so what does that mean? It means to learn, to know, to come to know, to become known, and to understand. And it also is used to describe um, um, <laughs> love between a man and a wife, right? And it reminds me of um, the word yada in Hebrew, where um, in, the, in the Old Testament, um, it says that Adam and Eve, or Adam knew his wife, and that word is yada, to know, and like, Pastor also said this last week, but or last Sunday, but the English language is so flat, and there's like, the Greek has two words for word, and we're just like, word, word, word. <laughs> um, but yes, the Hebrew word for to know is like, to love, to, to be loved, to be known and know. And so what this verse is saying right verse um verse these two verses that we have the mind of the lord that we have the mind of christ that god wants to renew our mind he wants to renew our deep understanding he wants to renew like what we know in our in our nowhere to know in our nowhere you know like to know to know to know to know christ and that comes through the word. When you have the mind of Christ, there is peace. There is no worry. There is no fear. There is no anxiety, no shame. 
And when there are signs of that, it could mean that there is a belief rooted in a lie instead of truth. So always look for what does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about me? What does the Bible say about others? And that will continue to renew your mind. The Bible is an ancient Jewish literature that was meant to be meditated on. And all throughout scripture, we see people meditate on the scriptures, like David and Jesus. Um, and God commands that we meditate on his word day and night. And um, last week, Brett brought up this passage, Psalm 27, 4, which has been also a recurring verse in this, in this church and just all around the body of Christ. It says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And in Psalm 1 through 1, 1, 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or take in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the Lord, in the law of the Lord. Sorry. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whether whatever they do prospers. So when we meditate on the word, it's like we're planted by streams of living water, all in and out of season, we're we're blooming, we're blooming. <laughs> Okay, now I'm going to go into like some more practical stuff. Different ways to read scripture. There's meditation, study, prayer. And in, in the Bible, there are also different genres. So that will also change like how you study the Bible. Um, so there's narrative, there's poetry, there's wisdom, prophecy, gospels, the epistles, which are letters. Um, an apocalypse, which is, it doesn't mean the end of the world. It means revelation. <laughs> so it, the, uh, ap ap uh, uh, apocalyptic literature is not about, oh my God, like the world is ending. Like, what do we do? The dragon, the fire is coming down. No, it's about the revelation of Jesus. So don't get distracted. That's what I'm saying. Like, don't get distracted by all that stuff. <laughs> Okay, so here are some resources for studying the Bible. If you want to write this down, write it down. Um, commentaries. What is a commentary? Commentaries are like written by theologians, and they're kind of like people who spend their entire life going through scripture and like getting this revelation and writing it down and just sharing it with us. Um, so. I do like to use this, the commentaries, but I don't like to use it too much because I don't want the revelation to be taken from me. You know, like I love to like wrestle with the word and be like, ah, the Holy Spirit revealed that to me versus somebody already did it for you and you're just like, oh, cool. You know, it's, it's different. So use commentaries kind of like, kind of as like a check, like, am I hearing this right? Or like, if you want to go deeper, Check it out. Uh, Blue Letter Bible. Blue Letter Bible is awesome. I, I use it because it's free. <laughs> and it's very, it has everything. It has commentaries. It has 
word studies. It has um, all the different translations. Um, yeah, and then there's logos, which is paid. And then there's different ways to study the Bible, like word study, like we did before on uh, word, uh, news and Gnosko and Rhema and Logos, those are all word studies. And you can use a Bible dictionary or you can go on blueletterbible.com. Um, there's also study Bibles. So this Bible is not a study Bible, it's just scripture, but there are Bibles where it has like, this is the historical context that it was written in. And this is what like, oh, garments. What What is a garment? What is a one, one garment without stitches like why is that important or what is a garment with uh different types of material in it and why what's the significance on, on of that um so they have stuff like that and there's bible encyclopedia there's the bible project on youtube if you haven't checked them out like go check them out they're pretty um it's like a good resource for understanding like the summaries of what hap what happens in the bible um, there, it's, a, it's like YouTube videos. And then there's scholarly articles. I like scholarly articles um, because like it was published and maybe it's also because like I'm in seminary and that's what we're supposed to use. Um, it's not just like a random dude on YouTube. Um, and it's not just like someone who was like, I don't know, some random person. It's like, it's been tested and like published. So there's more eyes accountability for scholarly articles. So, studying the Bible is, the, the way to do it is inductive studying. And what that means is you're examining a passage in its context to figure out what it's saying and what it meant to its original audience so that you can understand and contextualize what it means for us today. It's important not to bring what you think you know to the Bible. Like, I can't think of an example right now, but you can't just be like, oh, 21st century America, Gutenberg, West New York, and then be like, cut off the foreskins of soldiers from a different nation. Like, you can't, you can't do that. You gotta figure out like what is going on in here before you understand or you can interpret what it means for us today. For example, the Marvel Universe, we know what happens when Peter Parker's uncle dies and what happens after that, you know? So um, we kind of like, in order to really get deeper into the word, we, got, we have to know like what happens, what is like the overarching, and we did that in our um, life groups last year or earlier this year, we went through the whole Bible or like, what was it called, the book? The white, white and blue book, the story, yeah, we went over that. Um, but if you don't remember, it's a lot. Um, there's resources online that you can look up, like timeline of the Old Testament. And, but when I, when I, yeah, like we know, I feel like a lot of Christians know more about the Marvel Universe than about God's universe. <laughs> we know what happens in phase one and two and three. But we don't know what happened, like, yeah, I don't know. We don't know what happened when King Uzziah died. Mm. <laughs> what happened after that, and why was that significant? 
um, why was it significant that after Jesus died and resurrected, he showed up to Peter on the beach making breakfast for him on coals? Stuff like that is like, that, like, that excites me. I don't know about you, but I'm like, why, why was he doing that? Why did Jesus, like, it's not random, you know? And so, yeah, just like have questions when you're reading the word. Um, and let scripture interpret scripture. I love when, um, especially online, but also if you look on the bottom, it has like little, little references. It's not a lot, but it'll be like, oh, Jesus quoted Psalm 40. Or like, oh, the new te- like um, Paul quoted Isaiah forty, something like that. Like where you can go back and see like, oh, what did that? Because Paul, um, all the Jews, all the New Testament people, they knew what the Old Testament meant. So they they're like, oh, that's from the Psalms, or that's from Isaiah, and like the, something goes off in their brains. But for us, like we don't, you know, we're Gentiles, so we don't know. <laughs> We don't know their culture. Um, yeah, so reference, reference verses, that's what it is. Like the New Testament is referencing the Old Testament. And there's certain words also that repeat multiple times and like catch those when you're reading. Like, whoa, that came up like sheep. Sheep came up like 20 times in the past five verses. Um, stuff like that is like, will help you kind of like. Uh, I don't know, make you curious about what the Bible is saying. Uh, Things to consider. Don't bring your presuppositions to the scripture. Let scripture interpret scripture. Let the Holy Spirit highlight a word or verse to you and be led by the Holy Spirit to to, uh, lead you to understanding. Read verses surrounding the passage this is really important because sometimes people take things out of context and they're, they're using the verse like for something when it actually doesn't mean that. Um, it's important to read like a few verses or maybe even a chapter before the verse that you're looking at and, and also the, ch- the verse or chapter after it. So like see what, what's sandwiching those verses that you're looking at. Con- contextualization. These are very important questions that I ask myself when I'm studying the word and even just reading it. Like, who is the author? Because, um, yeah, we just need to know who the author is. It's like picking up a newspaper, right, right now, and like, you're like, who, who is that guy? Like, what kind of articles did he write, or what kind of what is, what is his message? Um, where does he come from? What's like, what's his cultural background? Like, that's important, too. Um, who's the audience? And when was it written? And where was it written? What is the overarching theme of the book? And how does it fit in within the biblical narrative? What is a timeless truth or principle in the scripture? And what is the main idea? And I like to interact with it, too. Like, ask, ask the scripture questions and ask Google, too. Like, you can look things up. <laughs> Uh, what does scripture say about God? What does scripture say about me? What does it say about others? And how can I apply this in my life now? So some takeaways. Obedience comes by listening and listening comes by being in his presence 
and transformation comes through obedience. It's obedience that comes by listening to Jesus, reading the word, being in his presence, and then obeying that and being transformed. And like, it's just like a cycle. You're kind of going back and forth. You're like reading the word, obey. Okay, God, what does it say now? And I obey. And that will transform your life. And it takes time. It takes time. Like sometimes, have you ever gotten to your desk or something and you're reading the word and you're like, your phone's ringing, like baby's crying, like things are going wrong, you have to go to the bathroom. There's like an attack on you getting down and dirty in the scripture. <laughs> like there is an attack on your quiet time. Because why? The enemy doesn't want you to know the truth. He doesn't want you to know. And because why? Because it'll set you free if you know it and you live by it. It's not about knowledge. It's about revelation of Jesus and the transformation of your heart and mind. It's about intimacy. Into me, you see. Have you heard that? <laughs> into me, you see. Into Jesus, I see. Into me, Jesus sees. And there's like that intimate relationship there when we read the word. We were looking at Jesus and letting him look into us. Let the word read you. Listen and obey. When you listen and obey, you, or when you listen and disobey, you deafen your ears and the, and the voice of the Holy Spirit will start to fade away. Have you ever like thought God asked you to do something and your like, heart is beating and you're like, oh, I can't do it, oh, and like, you don't do it. And then it's like God's quiet for a little bit and you're like, oh, dang, God, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's like when he's quiet, sometimes it's like he told you, he already spoke to you and you just like chose not to listen to him. The word of God sharpens your discernment and Hebrews 5, 13 to 14, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Solid food is eating the word of God on your own and learning how to do this on your own and not just you know, receiving on Sundays or Wednesdays, but like every day you're just like, munching munching and like like getting getting nutrition and and sharpening your discernment through that the word of god is living and active so sometimes what i struggle to do is like i'll read a verse and i'm like oh i know that verse or like oh yeah like that's that's the revelation i got but the word of god is living and active so that so like when i return to the same word it might just like go deeper if I, if I open my mind and if I let it speak to me in that way. Be a student of the word. Like, I, we can graduate seminary, but we'll never graduate the word of God. It'll always be like going deeper and deeper and deeper. So I, um, I wanna take like 10 minutes if you guys want to and like go to like groups of three. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.